McNutt. Uh, Doug McNutt uh, planted a church out in Utah amongst the Mormons. And uh, after about eight years, he came back here. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Eight years? Mm -hmm. And they're living in Bay Minette. Uh, now, Doug cut his teeth preaching in Uganda. And you know, in Uganda, they don't preach for 25 minutes. And so he has three and a half hours this morning. <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs> well, you know, I was noticing this, uh, this very nice clock that was uh, on the... I, and I said, Parker, you know, you, you must have received this as, af, as a gift after uh, one particularly long sermon. So, so I, I hope to continue that tradition. I'm just joking. Just joking. Don't worry. Uh, it has been a joy to be with you all during this wonderful missions conference weekend. You know, sometimes you can be in a church like this that has a great emphasis on missions. And we can sort of take it for granted. Do you know that there are PCA churches that do not have missions conferences and give zero to missions overseas? Did you know that? There are. There, there, there are more and more nowadays, actually. So don't ever, don't ever take that for granted, that your church has a great history of that and a great tradition of that. And that's something uh, just, to be, just to be proud of and to be a participant in. And with, um, we've I've lived in I lived in I've lived in big cities and I've lived in small towns and I, I live in the country now, and uh, I sort of I sort of prefer personally small towns in the country, and there's an amazing history of people that come from, you know maybe maybe a context of a of a town that that, that people have not heard of, that have an, that have had an outsized impact in missions. There, there's a member of our board. Again, I'm Doug McNutt, missionary with Trinity Center for World Mission. It works in East Africa with theological seminary training and church planting. There's a board member on our missions, on our missions board, who's with, he, was, he works for Wycliffe Bible Translators. And he actually works in their IT department, but he knows sort of all the old guys and uh, the original generation, many of them. Um, and he told me something very interesting one time that an older Wycliffe missionary told him. And he said, he, he said do you know that 80% of our missionaries who are on the field were raised on a farm? 80% of our missionaries who are on the field with Wycliffe Bible translators were raised on a farm. And he, he couldn't immediately tell me why that was. But I, I started to meditate on that statistic. You know, may, maybe sort of come to your own conclusions about that. I, I've sort of come to some interesting ones myself. I'll talk to you about that later. But there is a call that God places upon someone's life. And it doesn't matter where you're from or what you've been up to before that. Even if it's been a lot of hell raising. You know, Paul had a lot of hell-raising before he was used mightily of God as a missionary. He actually thought he was a good guy, but raised a lot of hell. And God converted him and used him in a mighty way. And I'm just going to preach from one verse that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 this morning and, and break it down for you. 
They tell us that 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians was the second letter. Each of them references an earlier letter uh, and some letters in between. There's sort of a back and forth. Someone once said Paul had a, had a love-hate relationship with the Corinthian church. I don't, I don't think that's exactly uh, an accurate way to state it, but it was a very interesting relationship. We'll put it that way. He loved the Corinthians. The Corinthians loved him. And there were amazing things happening in Corinth, but also some crazy things as well. And as he explains that, you know, he's, he's not some person who is just amazing by his own right. In fact, he says, the way I commend myself to you, Corinthians, as a missionary, is that I've suffered a lot. and People have beat me up for Jesus. And, you know, I failed a lot. And he, he sort of overstates the sufferings he's been through and his weaknesses in order to magnify God's grace and God's glory in this matter of missions and say it's not about me as the missionary. It's about what God is doing through me, also what God can do through you as well. And he sort of wraps up a section and starts a new section with this verse. Chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him then. I want you to think about each word. Working together with him, that is God, then. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to open Holy Scripture together. It is your divine and inerrant word. It is life for us. It's the heartbeat of missions. It's the heartbeat of the local church. May it give us joy and power and zeal, inspiration and command and grace this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you a a, a thesis. The, The church should be a missional aircraft carrier. It should be an aircraft carrier. I'm going to use this analogy this morning. An aircraft carrier of gracious salvation. Now the thing that is interesting about aircraft carriers is there's sort of a coming and going that is constantly happening on the surface of that ship. It's a very unique type of ship, is it not? The planes are landing, the planes are refueling, they're putting new missiles on them, they're being sent out again. They have a reach that is far beyond just the ship itself, right? Uh, it's an amazing thing. It, it's what makes a navy and a, uh, an army, for that matter, of any nation uh, great and very powerful, actually. Uh, after retrieving souls from the water, if you will, we rescue them. They become crew members on our aircraft carrier. And then we are training them for some specific role. There are many different roles on an aircraft carrier, by the way. Not all are steering the ship or piloting the airplanes. There are many different roles. Maybe perhaps we have some who have served in the, in the Navy here. Many different roles and many different people. The Gerald R. Ford class of carrier, they tell me, which is operated by the United States Navy, is the largest in the world. It can carry 75-plus aircraft on this aircraft carrier. And there's about 4,500-plus soldiers that live on and work on this aircraft carrier. It's powered by two nuclear reactors. 
Wow. Now that's a powerhouse, but the church is more of a powerhouse. The church is more of a powerhouse. We should be like an aircraft carrier, not only retrieving souls, but sending out these planes of grace into the world. And that's how the church behaves, not only in its local evangelistic ministry, of course, but also in the sending of missionaries as well. Its reach extends far beyond just the local church, just that place, that town where God has put you here. And that is an amazing thing. That's what Paul was doing. And the Corinthians were partners with him in this. Other churches were as well in the Mediterranean. And he tells them this verse, verse 1, let's look at it. Working together with him, that is God, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now what does he mean when he says don't receive grace in vain? Um, I, I I think we get the concept there that he's saying. Now grace, interestingly, is you know receiving something from God that that you didn't deserve. We deserve the opposite. We deserved wrath for our sins. But what have we received? Grace, favor, love. You've received the Lord Jesus Christ. You've received the Holy Spirit. So many things that he has granted to you. We might even just throw in all the blessings that he's poured out upon us as well. And Paul says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, to receive it in vain would, to, would be to receive all that from God and not do anything. Not, not have any effect come out of that. Nothing changes, nothing happens. You're never used of the Lord, even though you have received so much grace. Uh, a mutual mentor of some of the missionaries here this weekend, Dr. Henry Krabendam, puts it this way. He says, the python gets fed a piglet on Sunday morning. And it says that it takes a python in the Amazon jungle one week to digest a piglet after it swallows one. A whole week. It just sits there for a while, in other words. And by the time the next Sunday rolls around, that piglet has been digested, and you come back to church for another piglet, right? To receive that. Okay, he says, that, that shouldn't be, way, be the way that it is. He says, my job is to step on the tail of the, of the snake and to get people going, to exhort people. And that's what the scripture does. That's what, that's what Paul does here. He's exhorting you to not receive the grace of God in vain, but to take that grace that has been given to you, that investment that God has made in your life, and to do something great with it. There may be different things that God is calling different ones of you to do, and different churches at different times in history. But to receive the grace, not in vain, but in fact, to do something with that. That great trust of the gospel that that God has placed in this church. I can tell that this is a biblical church, a Bible-based church. There's been a deposit of the gospel put here. And amazing music, by the way. That was beautiful. A piano player, I, I... there's so much that God has given you and blessed you with here uh, to, be, to be a blessing to other people. Just like God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and then you're going to go and be a blessing. There's ways that you can humbly serve in the community that you are a true blessing to them 
They're, they're receiving something from you, whether it was a, a music concert, a, a feeding of the homeless, a, who knows the ideas that you could come up with that, that you are a blessing to Bruton. And you are a blessing even beyond the reach of Bruton. An outsized impact and influence because of grace received not in vain, but in truth. And it affects you, it changes you from the inside out. So he says, don't receive the grace in vain. Now, what does he say? We'll get back up a little bit. That was at the end. We're going to back up. He says, working together with him then. Working, who's the him? Working together with God when you go back in chapter 5. He says, we were reconciled to Christ. Now he's entrusted to you the ministry of reconciliation. So now you are to work together with God. Uh, there's probably a, a theologian type that doesn't like this phrase. They say, we don't work. God does all the work. We're justified by faith alone. That's true. That's justification. Paul's not talking about justification here. He's talking about ministry. And in ministry, you're supposed to work together with God. That's what Paul says. That's, that's what the Bible says. You are supposed to work together with God. Now, that's an amazing partner to have. If you had God as your partner in the law firm, or you had God as part of your landscaping team, or God as part of your school, he was the headmaster. That would be amazing. But he has partnered with us. He's actually condescending to use us as his partners in the work of ministry. Someone has said, you are God's plan A, there is no plan B. That's it. That's his, you, you're the chosen vehicle. Paul says we should be working together with him then. That's an example of how we don't receive the grace of God in vain. But actually we're going to do the work of ministry together with God as partners together. There's a role that God has for each one of you. I, I was pastoring for eight years in Utah and I would tell my congregation there is a ministry that God has for you. Not just for the pastors and the, and the missionaries. God has a ministry for each one of you. If you are a child and you are converted, you know Jesus as your Savior, in other words, children. It's not that you wait till you're 18 to begin serving the Lord or as an adult. There is a ministry even now that God has for you. What is that? I, I like to ask people when I meet them, what's your, what's your ministry? What ministry are you involved with? What ministry are you doing? Because God has a ministry for each one of you. Working together with him then, Paul says. And then lastly, we appeal to you. Now you might sort of have taken that phrase in vain. You might have just passed over that. He says, we appeal to you. What, what does Paul mean by that, we appeal to you? It's sort of, a, sort of an emotional thing, right? It's not really like a doctrinal point in a sermon. Why are you even bringing it up? It's an emotional thing. He says, I'm, a, I'm making an appeal to you. I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> imagine this. I'm not just trying to convince you of a logical point. I'm trying to win your emotions here. I appeal to you. I want to convince you that God wants to work with you, not to receive the grace of God in vain, but to do ministry and to have an outsized reach beyond just your own life and just beyond your church. I want to give you a few closing quotes by a missionary named Jonathan Goforth. He was a Canadian Presbyterian minister to China 
Maybe you've, maybe you've never heard of him. Maybe you've heard of David Livingston or Adoniram Judson, but, but Jonathan Goforth, what a, what a great name, right, for a missionary, Goforth. During his 46 years on the mission field, Jonathan Goforth set up 31 mission stations. He trained 61 native Chinese pastors, spoke Chinese, and he brought to Christ 13,000 Chinese people, it is estimated. He, he, he said this, Seek each day to do or say something to further Christianity among the heathen. Seek each day to do or say something to further Christianity among the heathen. Uh, Parker, are there any heathen in, in Bruton? Are there any heathen in this church? No. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, you know. Give you some pointers. No, they, you know, this is uh, the point. Say, say or do something little each day. One, one wonderful Christian author said, if I cannot do great things for God, I will do small things for him each day in a great way. I'll do small things in a great way. Jonathan Goforth, the missionary, also said this. These are, these are little applications you can take with you from the missions conference weekend. Ways that we could work out what Paul is saying. Working together with him then. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. I, I'm appealing to you. He says, in all things, seek to know God's will. And when known, obey at any cost. We can open the word of God and see the mission of God. But some, there's, there has to be a transfer somehow between just understanding the great commission and, wait, me? Me? He also says this. Never let a day pass without at least a quarter of an hour spent in the study of the Bible. Now, he could have said an hour or two hours, but you could tell he's a practical man. <laughs> he's like, it just starts with small things like that. Small things. Spending 15 minutes soaking in the Word of God. Let me tell you something. If, if you don't do that right now, if, if you start to do that, let me just warn you in advance. It's going to have an impact on you. It's going to change how you start thinking about your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family members, that it would be really awkward to bring up. Uncle, you know the Lord? Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? There's a 95-year-old man that lives next to us in the uh, sort of country property that we bought near Baymanette. It was all his property before that. He was the original farmer and landowner of that area. And um, we've just been getting to know him. He's a, he's a very nice gentleman, 95 years old, still going strong, out there farming every day. It's amazing. And my wife gave me a little challenge. She said, and he was a member of the Methodist Church, a member in good standing. And my wife, who's also very evangelistic, <laughs> told me, Doug, you should share the gospel with Mr. Jones. And the other day we were sitting on our golf cart together. He had come down there. He was watching as uh, we were getting some work done by tractors on the property. And I asked him, I said, Mr. Jones, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And he said, say it again, Sonny. <laughs> and he took out his hearing aid. I, I guess he could hear better without it. And he said, say it in there. And I said, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? He said yes, and we just got a chance to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ.
I knew that Mr. Jones, you know, he, he won't be our neighbor for very much longer. Uh, but just, just, just take a little moment. Say, seek each day to do or say something, just something to further Christianity among the heathen. My nana, my maternal grandmother, called me on the phone one day and she asked me what, she said, I'm going to speak to some ladies at a ladies' luncheon about evangelism. What should I say to them? She knew that I loved evangelism. I said this, unless you, just, just tell them this, unless you're in love with Jesus, you will not promote him or his kingdom. Unless you are in love with Jesus. And that's, that's, that hits where some of us are at right now. It's not about the mission or we're doing the mission wrong or the strategy, no. It's about our love for the Lord Jesus. If we've lost our first love in here, how's your relationship with the Lord right now? Where are you, where are you at right now in your personal relationship with Christ, in your walk with the Lord? Because that really does have everything to do with how excited you are about maybe sharing yourself or serving in the church here, helping others, even people who are perhaps ungrateful for your ministry in town. But to serve humbly, to sacrifice like Paul did, where he said, I'm weak, I'm persecuted every day. Um, the Jews are after me, the Gentile, the Romans are, I'm surrounded on every side, but I'm still going to keep serving together with him, not receiving the grace of God in vain. And he says, I appeal to you to do the same. I appeal to you to do the same. But it only works if you have that light in your heart. God wants this church to be a missional aircraft for the gospel. Send the light. 